0: Hello beautiful humans and welcome to another episode uh, at the Bitcoin STOA as a reminder the STOA is a community funded project so if you enjoy listening you can support our work by sending some sats to the QR code on our website at bitcoinstoa.com Or you can stream sets using something like a Bitcoin wallet that has a podcast feature. I use the Breeze app right now. And if you go to newpodcastapps.com, you'll see a list of awesome podcast apps that integrate Bitcoin at the moment. Um, And the user experience is quite good. So current Moscow time is 2609 at 719778. And with that said, it's my honor to welcome Gigi to the STOA for our conversation about value for value payments. Gigi, welcome to the STOA.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm amazed already, you know, like you're doing everything right. New apps.com, Moscow time with the right format. I I love it already.
0: (laughs) There you go. We're off to a good start. And, uh, you know, speaking of time, you know, we have this and I battle, I, I work for a global health network. So I battle with time zones regularly and just the, the, the nuance of like winter, summertime, time changes, like maybe I should start scheduling shit based on blocks. Like literally that might be the, that might be the solution (laughs) to a global time standard as you, as you very well know. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. It doesn't work as well for future events, unfortunately, because you know, it's a bit tricky like that. (laughs)
0: Right. It's a little bit unpredictable, it's unpredictable, but also predictable. It's like this weird conundrum. Exactly. Um, So Gigi, I found your writing to be Uh, really powerful personally and also in recommending it to others. And what I like most about it is that it's accessible for people of varying degrees of Bitcoin understanding. Uh, You know, dear family, dear friends, I read that like several times one after the other. And then I literally astroturfed it to every human I knew that I had crossed paths with that expressed interest in Bitcoin because I found it just very (laughs) profound and very to the point, very readable. Um, And your recent piece about value for value is sort of what maybe you want to reach out to you. And have this conversation but maybe before we get into that article uh, i'd love to hear how you came across bitcoin um how bitcoin you know intersected on your life path when that was and maybe some of the more significant moments along the way and feel free to tell it in whatever length whatever brevity or Or long format you want, uh, just to give people some context (laughs) before we dive into the article.
1: All right, yeah, I'll I'll try to be brief uh, because it is it is a long story. And um, so I I discovered Bitcoin relatively early, but I also dismissed it immediately. You know, like I think I first heard about it in like 2013, something like that. And I um, I have a tech background, so I studied computer science, and I was. Working in a, a computer science lab in a research institute that tried to do various um, more or less interesting things, but uh, we tried to build something like the Google Knowledge Graph, uh, but you know, in a not in a in a in a practical commercial way, but in a more theoretical scientific way, let's put it like that. <laughs> and uh, a colleague of mine, he was. Kind of fiddling around with Bitcoin already back then, and I always made fun of him. You know, like ah, oh, it will get hacked, and it's funny internet money. Why are why are you wasting your time and so? On. And so it took it took me multiple touch points. So. Um, yeah, I, I I heard about it again periodically, and there were a couple of run-ups. So you know, like you usually hear about uh, Bitcoin when it, uh, uh, you know, at the all-time highs again, when it's right. <laughs> busts yes. through everyone's consciousness again. And so this happened to me a, a couple of times, and and for for me, it 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 took really a long time to understand. Um, first of all how how it works but especially what it is and 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 what it wants to be or what it um like why we need bitcoin in the first place the why behind it eluded me for many many years and so that's also why i why i'm so involved in writing about it and and educating others uh, <laughs> about bitcoin because i um i understand um that it's Like, I I know how it is to not understand it for the longest time. And I also, I made all the mistakes. And uh, that's also why I wrote the um, Dear Family, Dear Friends article uh, that a lot of people like, which literally... Was supposed to be a, a letter for people that you know every Bitcoin knows this. There are people that just reach out to you again, and either they laugh at you because Bitcoin just crashed by thirty percent or what have you, or or you know like you you don't hear, hear from them for like two years, and then Bitcoin moons, <laughs> and they reach out again. It's like uh, I I wrote it for to have one thing that I can just send to everyone, and and basically okay if you really read this and and internalize it and um, take it to heart, then I'm I'm willing to talk to you again, uh, but <laughs> so I just wanted to make my life a little bit easier and I, I tried to distill all the lessons I learned, um, kind of uh, what's the best way to get into Bitcoin, I, I would say, or, or the easiest and, and um, uh, less risky, least risky way to get into it. Because I made all the mistakes, you know, like my, my journey into Bitcoin was a very, very long and pay- painful one. Like I, I dismissed it for multiple years. I did not buy for many, many years and uh, I did not understand it for many, many years. I did not understand money at all. You know, like I, I only viewed it through the lens of technology and that it's a cool new tech thingy that you know will be replaced by something that's better. <laughs> and so I, I did not grasp the profundity of it and I had no economic or monetary understanding. And so, um, yeah, the last couple of years, I just tried to catch up to everyone else that already understood this stuff, <laughs> all the Aust- Austrians and people like, you know, uh, Michael Goldstein and Pierre Richard and Seyfriedin as well. Um, everyone who was super, super early in thinking about Bitcoinization and hyper-Bitcoinization and kind of the, the change that Bitcoin will bring to the world. And so, yeah, the last couple of years, I think I switched to Bitcoin full-time in 2017, if that's right. And ever since I just, yeah. Dedicate every, every waking hour basically to Bitcoin. And I try to educate, and I'm still coding a bit. And um, yeah, I, I did a bunch of various projects and, and things in the space. Uh, and I also wrote a, a book. That's why most people know me. So uh, most people know me in Bitcoin as the author of 21 Lessons. Yes. And you're writing another book, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm trying to at least, you know, turns out to be harder than I thought. I thought, you know, I I I I already wrote one so it's it's going to be very easy to just pump out another one. But um it it turns out uh more difficult than I expected mostly because I just got involved into too many other projects. Right. <laughs> so sh- shame shame on me. <laughs> That's okay. You know,
0: what good things take time and I think uh you know, the most important things in my life have always given me the most friction and the most resistance um and it's almost like you know, it's like a, I'm, the the hardest mountains to climb are the most rewarding ones when you get to the peak. And I think, um, yeah, I, I am a very big fan of 21 Lessons. I use it as like a, a little quick read if I want a little nugget of Bitcoin knowledge. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's almost like Bitcoin opens up this door that everyone has the option to walk through. The cost of entry is your attention. There's no monetary cost. Um, but attention is the most valuable resource (laughs) and that door opens to a PhD in understanding the world, the mechanics of how the world works. A subsection of that is how money works, which in and of itself is a lifetime study. So it is really, you know, Bitcoin is what you make of it. And everyone comes to Bitcoin from different perspectives, which kind of colors Mm -hmm. your initial view of it, right? It's like the, the 10 blind men touching the elephant, everything can feel different. Um, and only once you really invest a lot of attention, do you start to see the elephant in its true whole form and then it's you know at that point sometimes it's even more overwhelming but at least you get an idea of what this thing can be um, from the different perspectives so yeah thanks for sharing that and uh you know i know you're you've you've impacted i think way more people than you think even just the people that i've sent your articles to um they resonate a lot with them and have changed i have no i have distinctly noticed that some people's perspectives have changed after reading some of your stuff so thank you for contributing to the space so much, probably much more than, than you think in terms of its effect. Um, And speaking of things you write during block 716, 448, you posted an article titled the freedom of value, how value for value fixes the monetization of information. And, you know, it really caught my eye because number one, I'm seeing this value for value technology. um, What, what Bitcoin as a technology through lightning is enabling for value for value um, in terms of like being able to stream sats to podcasts that I listen to, which is like still magical when I see it happen. Um, but the health network I'm part of is actively, actively trying to solve this problem as well, right. To, to find a better way to monetize our content and our digital products in a way that aligns interests with the people, um, consuming the content and the people who are creating it. So, you know, I really think maybe a good place to start is like, why did you write the piece? Um, and then
1: let's go from there. (laughs) <laughs> so first of all, thanks for all the kind words. Um, it's it's very overwhelming sometimes because I don't think of myself as uh, as, as having such a, a big impact. You know, I'm just a guy, basically sitting in the basement and, and typing something sometimes, and mm. um, it's it's really overwhelming because, it, uh, for example, also the the dear family dear friends letter. You know, it was translated into like twenty languages or something, and people reach out to me daily. You know, uh, in terms of Um, that, you know, like they, they, they finally understand money now and they understand Bitcoin and it changed their life in various ways and so on. And it's really like, it's, it's almost impossible to, to, to deal with this, you know, like, uh, I mean, I, I, I have (laughs) mental breakdowns every second day because someone writes me something outrageous, you know, like (laughs) how Bitcoin saved their family and, and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm, I'm in a similar position, you know, like Bitcoin, um, saved me in a way and, and my family too you know like it's it's uh, it, it is this very um it's this productive technology of sorts and also it enables all kinds of freedoms that um you know it's 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 really mind-blowing how powerful of a technology it is or how powerful of a of a thing it is and uh, i think it's very right what you said the allegory with the blind man touching uh the the you know, the blind monks touching the elephant that I think no one really knows what Bitcoin is yet. Um, and right. uh, I, that's why I'm also hesitant to, in, in calling it a technology because it's it's more than that, you know, like it's it really transforms your perspective. And uh, as you also said, you know, it forces you to think about value very deeply because it forces you to think about money very deeply. And this, this brings us to the to the value for value article, the, the, the freedom of value because I, I've been thinking about this problem for a very long time, even uh, before Bitcoin, that there is just no sensible way of how should I put this? Digital information, information in itself behaves very, very differently than a physical good. And selling a physical good is a very straightforward transaction. you know, like I have an apple, I want to sell it, I want to sell this apple to you. So I give the Apple to you and you give me money and that's it, you know, and for, right. for digital goods, that's so, so different And if, if I have a picture of an Apple and I want to sell it to you, you know, we immediately have, we immediately run into the double spend problem. You know, like I, I, I can sell at, at no cost to me. I can sell a, a copy of the picture of the Apple, you know, like digital information. The nature of information is such that it has to be copied. It's not only that it can be copied, but if you want to move information Information cannot be moved. Period. You know, like if you want to, if I want to send you a file, I have to copy it. There is no other way. You know, and uh, the way that computers move information, quote unquote, is they copy it and they delete the original. And even even the language I use is very imprecise because for, with digital information there is no original. You know, the concept of an original does not exist hmm. because every every single like it's 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 a perfect replica. You know, and uh, uh, and when you have you know like take the take take an abstract concept like the letter a or the number three or a circle you know what is the original three can you can can you answer this question no it's nonsensical you know like that and that's that's the nature of information you know like if you (laughs) if you have a, a, a a digital a digital string of bits and bytes you know it's it's impossible to Tell apart a copy from 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 the quote unquote original what we think of as an original. So the uh, I'm just ranting about this to, to make it very obvious that not good um, keep going that the, that the digital realm is like digital information is very very different than the, the physical goods that we are so used to and, and and so selling it, monetizing it is insanely difficult and uh, that's why what, what I was also writing about in the piece that paywalls just don't work. For for this reason alone, I mean there, there are more reasons why paywalls don't work, but but you just cannot build a cage around information. That's also why DRM never worked, you know, and will never work. If you like any any <laughs> and if you <laughs> if you're old enough, you remember, you know, like computer games and all kinds of things and also programs had all kinds of weird ways to protect themselves from being copied you know like you had to enter special words of the manual in like page 47 right. the 13th word then you can you know play your indiana jones computer game or what have you and and it's 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 all stupid it doesn't work because because of this because of the nature of information and, and the, the the most succinct way to 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 drive this point home is is like this i don't, I don't even remember now who said it but um it's it's a it's a very wise <laughs> saying it's like if if, if I have an apple and you have an apple and, and we, we trade, we exchange those apples, then we still have one apple. But if I have an idea and you have an idea and we exchange those ideas, then each of us has two ideas, you know, and digital information, information in general, but especially (laughs) digital information, the way it works is it works like ideas. So if you, if you trade it, 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 it has this multiplication effect. And so it's, it's, it's not scarce digital information is never scarce because information is not scarce you know it's just about like you said you, you're just paying with your attention that's 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 all that's possible because information can be replicated at zero marginal cost always and also, there is no way to have copy protection for information because if you can read the information in some way, shape, or form, it doesn't matter if it's encrypted or, or what have you. You can perfectly replicate it always. You know that's why all that's why all anti piracy um, things always fail. You know you can always <laughs> just rip it off Netflix or what have you. You know like it <laughs> it never works even even if you control everything, all the distribution channels from, from A to C, it's it, it doesn't matter. You can still always find ways to access the information because in the end, you need to make the information eligible again for the end user. And as, as soon as this is done, you can copy it as well. You know, it's just like pointing a camera on your TV screen, you know, like that's a very stupid way to, <laughs> a very lossy way to do this, but <laughs> that's the right way to think about it. You know, like even if all the the all the data streams, everything is encrypted, there will be a point where the user wants to see this information, has access to it, and then that's the point where you can grab it and copy it again. And so we have to think about this differently, you know, and and I was delighted that people like Adam Curry have been thinking about this problem for like 10 years plus, and now it materialized thanks to Bitcoin, because um, now we have a way to, in a very fine-grained manner, send real value back and... Um, basically, the idea of the value-for-value model, as you know, is that the information is free. You can listen to it for free. You can watch whatever it is for free. You can read the article for free. But if you found it valuable, you voluntarily give back. So it is a very, very different monetization model than any kind of paywall or selling a physical good. And I I think it is the right model to monetize information because everything else fails and we've, we we even see this historically you know drm failed like 20 times over <laughs> and- well, let's talk about D- drm being digital rights management right <laughs> yeah exactly and it's, it's basically trying to find a way um to to make information non-copyable which is an oxymoron you know like the nature of right. information is to be copied and so 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 scarce information that's like you know uh i I'm, I'm getting always worked up about it because also in the in the quote-unquote crypto space you know they talk about scarce digital assets and so on and that's 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 not that's not how it works <laughs> people right. there is no such thing as a scarce digital asset like it's <laughs> and i am saying this as a bitcoiner huh? but what bitcoin right. does is it, con- it it constructs this game of sorts that you can participate in voluntarily and and once you enter in this game, you have certain rules that define the scarcity. It's, it's very much like chess, you know? Like if you decide to play chess, the pieces and, uh, or maybe a, a, a better, I mean, the pieces are kind of scarce as well, but that's not the, the perfect metaphor, but the chessboard itself is limited. It's scarce. Everyone agrees, you know, it has this many rows and this many columns, you know, I'm not a chess player. I don't, I don't even know by heart how, how large a chessboard is, <laughs> that's okay. but it's but the metaphor fixed. still holds. Yeah. there's just fixed and, and it, there's rules. It's fixed if there was no rules, everyone knows. And you cannot, you cannot increase it arbitrarily because then it wouldn't be chess anymore. You know, right. you can't simply add a row and make it, the game still make sense or make it twice as big. You know, it's like, ah, oh, chess is boring. Let's, you know, increase the size by two X, you know, and uh, that's so stupid. <laughs> it's such a stupid way to think about it. And, and, but, but I think it's, it's, it's the perfect metaphor because it's like the, the size of the board is not scarce because we can't make more of it. And it's, the same is true for Bitcoin, you know? Like you, as, we see, as we've seen, we, we can fork Bitcoin and, and do all kinds of things. And you can also, you can copy every aspect of Bitcoin, you know, like I, I keep harping about this. There is no, because there is no such thing as information that cannot be copied, everything in Bitcoin can be copied because everything in Bitcoin is information. You can, the, the thing that cannot be copied is the network and the value stored in it, and also it th- it it works because participants have secret information, and this is all part of this game. You know, and you have your private key, and you have the obligation to keep it secure and keep it secret, and so on. And and so so it it's it's all about using the properties of information in a way to kind of simulate digital scarcity. Let's put it like that. But uh, there is no such thing as information that cannot be copied and there there, there never will be, you know, like it's, it's a, a complete oxymoron. And so since we are talking about selling digital information, we have to think about this differently. And I think the value for value model is the correct way to think about it. It's like information wants to be free, will always be quote-unquote pirated, even though I don't agree with this term, but I, I don't have a better one currently, but it will always be copied and made available um, to others, especially if the information is valuable. You know, like if a, if a movie is really good, you will have no problem watching it um, quote-unquote illegally, you know, even though I, I don't think this should be illegal or anything like that, but you will find it in... Twenty different streaming sites, and you can torrent it, and you'll find it on YouTube and on Vimeo and, and whatnot, you know, and and so, um, I I wrote about this in the, in the piece as well, you know, it's a, it's a it's a kind of paradox. The only information that stays behind paywalls is information that is really, really shitty. That's really yeah. bad. The movie that no one wants to see, <laughs> the exactly. article that no one wants to read, that's the stuff that, that will stay behind the paywalls. But if an article is really good, and we see this all the time, you know, like now uh, the New York Times and the fin- Financial Times and, and whatnot, um, they all switch to paywall and subscription models and so on. And I I, I see this articles, like if, if one article i mean it happens less frequently now but if an article is really good then someone will just screenshot it and post it on facebook or on twitter or what have you you know or send it around on 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 whatsapp or telegram or whatever messenger uh, is is currently used and and so that's just the nature of information again you know like you can read it so you can also share it freely that's yeah. that's just the way it is and you can transcribe
0: it like you can literally transcribe the entire article and post it somewhere with perfect fidelity and it's like it's this weird nonsensical game right it's a futile game that people try and play uh in order it's almost like okay information wants to be free and it's freely copyable. that's the nature of information and you have this great quote in the piece by Bruce Schneier that says trying to make digital files uncopyable is like trying to make water not wet and it's yeah. like good luck you're, you're probably just going to crush yourself trying to achieve something that's unachievable and this whole notion that if information wants to be free and it's easily copied then we need to align how we're viewing this in terms of how we're charging for information and you know you talk about this value for value model where you know people are used to paying for something and then being able to enjoy that thing that they paid for right you pay to get into the movie you then proceed um to watch the movie and value for value sort of inverts that right where you enjoy something and then you pay for it voluntarily based on the value you received and and this isn't really a new model right on on the, mm-hmm. the picture of your article there's a busker and we we're all familiar with this right buskers go out there they give their music away or whatever they're performing away for free. And if you get value from it or you want that person to keep playing, you pay them. You 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 essentially communicate the value they've given you um, after having received, after having enjoyed the thing that they're giving. And I think that's a very, it's such a human way of, of um of communicating value with one another. And it's such a, there's such better alignment there, right? Where people don't feel ripped off because they're paying based on what they, what the value they received and, and the value they receive is going to be very subjective and different for everyone. Right? So if you create a product, someone consumes that product, they get X amount of value from it. They will compensate you based on the value they received. Someone else might get significantly more value. And so you're no longer pricing people out and saying, this is what it's worth. If you don't think it's worth that, you can't have it. You're basically saying this is free if you get value you can compensate me for the value i have given you and that is such a humane honest way of going about paying people for things and it's the only way with information like you said yeah. so it's like yeah
1: yeah absolutely and it's not only about um pricing people out it's also you know the, the ingenious thing about value for value i think and that's that's something that uh, you know um uh, i didn't realize before I, before i heard adam curry talk about it so all credit to him but there is also no price ceiling you know like if if right. If someone, um, uh, to to use the, the, the busking example, you know, uh, if, if there is a street performer or, or a musician or, or what have you that really just made your night, changed your life, what have you, you know, it might be worth a lot to you, especially if you're a millionaire, you know, like you might have a lot of cash on you and just you you throw a ridiculous amount of cash into the head. And I mean, in the real world, it doesn't work that well because everyone will... will <laughs> see that you know and you know we'll jump to the head that there will be sure. a huge you a QR code there instead, <laughs> yeah, instead yeah, of a Exactly, and but in the in, that's that's also why why it's a little bit uh, an, an imperfect analogy because online it will be different but um I I really see value for value as uh, as a way to revivify the idea of busking because it, it is as you said you know it's a very old idea I mean this this has worked for thousands of years you know they're they're street performers and there's a hat on the ground and if you as you said if you want uh you know the music to continue you just uh, drop a couple of coins into the hat. and what's so interesting in in cyberspace is that the the space is unlimited and the time as well you know like if if you're a street performer you you are in, in in one city in one place and you you play certain hours of the day and for articles or also for podcasts you know you 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 put them online and they can live for a very very long time and your audience is potentially global you know like if uh, depending on your language and so on and so forth uh, of course but still like there, there is no upper limit and i think that's really really interesting because we see um and i think i, d- I did not really put this into the piece but I've, uh, i i think i spoke about it before we we see that there are these you have this extreme period of distribution of what people are willing to give and what people are willing to pay. And we see this, for example, in casinos and we also see this in free-to-play games, You know, where a lot of computer games switch their business model from just selling the title to selling in-game items. And for competitive games especially, in game items are just cosmetics, they're completely useless. You won't be a better player because you pr- purchase items. I mean, because no one likes um pay to win, you know, like the, it's especially right. for competitive games, that's that's ridiculous. And so, for example, in Counter Strike and other games, you can uh purchase skins and they don't give you any benefit, it's just like a, a show off. And it's just like you know, I mean, there are some gambling mechanics in there, and so on. I, I, I'm trying to hype it up as like a, <laughs> a perfect <laughs> system, but my point is that there's like 1% of players they will spend ridiculous amounts of mo- of money on it and and they are kind of carrying everyone else you know like if if you want to play it for free that's fine it's 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 about it's about just making enough money you know it's not it's not about making money off of everyone it's just about making enough money so you can continue your business or your operation or, or, or what have you and i think that's that's really like just flipping this model on its head that you 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 can you can have access to the information for free and um you trust into your audience to give back enough value so that you can continue. If the gaming world is any indication, most titles that to switch to the free-to-play model, they 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 increased their revenue by like multiple times, you know. And and that's really interesting. That's really something to to think about. And I I think we're still far off from that because uh, I think it's mostly a psychological shift, and it's also you know like an adoption and technical shift. Not everyone has a bitcoin wallet yet, let alone a, an app that can stream lighting payments and so on. But I think it's mostly a psychological shift that you you have to make the conscious decision to hey, that was so good, that was so valuable i'm I'm willing to you know throw a couple of coins into the head and i'm 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 willing to give back because the alternative. And that's what you what you said as well. You know, like it, it aligns incentives in, in such a nice way. It's such a human way to have an interaction and, and to give back directly. Because the alternative is the hell we're currently living in, you know, <laughs> just focusing on the online hell. Right. <laughs> Which is just the, incentive, the incentives are completely misaligned. It's all about clickbait and it's all about stealing your attention. And it's all about how many advertisement seconds can I get into the video video how many ad reads can I get in and you have you know this <laughs> the, the these midway ad roles in podcasts for example that that always destroy the joy of it all and everything like the the content itself it it becomes this shallow clickbaity content because we're measuring the, the wrong thing you know like you're, you're measuring clicks and you're measuring view time and you're measuring quote-unquote engagement, but the way we are measuring engagement is you're measuring outrage. You know, like if you if you look at the engagement metrics in social media feeds, um, the, the, the thing that gets the most retweets, the most likes, the most comments and so on, it has the most quote-unquote engagement, but it's just the most divisive outrageous stuff that's gets sh- that gets shared and people also know that you know that's that's why this stuff gets gamed all the time you know it's and it also gets gamed in, ins- in insanely stupid ways just to 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 make the point you know like you you post three images uh and you you dress it up as a poll and it's like you know comment for option a and retweet for option b and like for option c and it's <laughs> you know that's 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 <laughs> that's that's like the the, the evolutionary environment of of the online world we're currently living in and it all optimizes for these completely broken and stupid metrics you know and also in the podcasting world you know everyone everyone knows that there is there isn't an easy way because it's like a decentralized system there isn't an, an easy way to to measure how many people listen to it and and so people use the next best metric which is downloads which is also completely meaningless because most catcher apps most most podcast apps most most podcast apps they download all the episodes so that you can listen to them offline, you know. And so right. all the metrics are broken, all the monetization is broken, all the incentives are broken, and that's why we see this insane world of you know fake news and clickbait and uh, outrage porn in all the feeds and uh, all these addictive mechanics. You know, like all, all the all the apps, all the social media apps, including YouTube, they all. They, they implement the darkest patterns that we know yeah. how can you maximize view time how can you get people addicted not only people but how can you get children as young as like eight months old addicted to a feed of cartoons that is endless you know and you 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 splice some advertisements in between and then you you have some numbers that you can show the advertisement agency you know like uh 15 million million kids <laughs> or what have you watched this many hours of advertisements this month and it's all ridiculous and it's all broken and I'm, I'm really angry about it actually because because the internet is something that's very dear to me and it was such a promising thing. and this for, for multiple reasons, it wasn't easy to to do this monetization correctly. And so now right. we did it incorrectly and now everything is kind of out of whack uh, in my estimation. Yeah. I mean, we, so the health
0: network that I'm part of, you know, I was the person who was stewarding the Instagram, which in and of itself was like a strong internal conflict. It's like we're trying to spread health information to empower people to take back responsibility for their health using a broadcast platform that is inherently unhealthy for people. It's like a super <laughs> twisted thing. Um, but it was the best option we had. And I remember, you know, every quarter I'll take a week off from Instagram. Um, and I'll, I'll post like I'm taking it, we're taking a week off and we hope this leads by example so that you can do this too and really acknowledge like what is instagram what is the effect that social media is having on you and to just like remove ourselves uh with a hard constraint say a week off of it to really learn like how much is this affecting me and i remember one of the first ones i did i w- decided to do a deep dive into understanding the game theory of social media and i went through all tristan harris's work and and I, I was immensely disturbed at this whole notion that I never knew the incentive, the background incentive structure, and that time on site is the strict optimization because that is what optimizes for profits. And you know, he, Tristan says it perfectly. He says, "Well, that becomes a race to the bottom of the brainstem. Whoever can yes. hijack your attention most effectively is rewarded most heavily when we commodify attention."
1: And yeah, so we that's, essentially—that's why TikTok is winning. That's why TikTok right. is winning. You know, and so that's, we we,
0: yeah. we externalize unwinding of our cultural fabric and destroying Mm. the human attention um, Mm. realm for the sake of profits. And it's like, once you're there, you're kind of stuck there, right? Good luck selling to the Facebook or TikTok board to say, we're going to take 75% profit cut, but we're going to make, we're going to not fuck people's brains up as much. It's like, nah, we'll take up profits, right? It's like this machine that can't be stopped. And so this whole notion of value for value. Uh, rescuing the internet and putting a more humane way of essentially, you know, like, and part of the problem is if everything's free, why should people want to pay? Like when, if someone puts that question to you, you know, I really don't think people actually understand that they are the product and until they realize that they're not going to want to pay.
1: It's, it's actually surprising. I'm actually surprised how wrong this is and, and I, I run into this all the time especially um, you know business-minded people uh, they are of the opinion you know if, if it is available for free no one will pay period and that's simply wrong it is simply wrong it is it is it is demonstrably wrong and it I think people will be surprised how how willing people are to 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 pay for it and I think also you know Wikipedia is a good example actually because it, it is completely user-funded you know and Mm. of course you know wikipedia is very obnoxious about it you know you have this big (laughs) jimmy wills banner (laughs) hitting you in the face like once a year or (laughs) i don't know once a quarter i don't know how frequent it is but but it's if, if you if you explain it to people people are actually willing to to pay for it you know it's like okay if if like if we don't if we don't raise this money, basically, then we have to stop the operation and and that's it. And so people are like, okay, of course, you know, like I, 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 had, I got so much value out of Wikipedia. I have no problem donating like 50 bucks to it, you know, like no problem right. at all, you know, like Wikipedia basically is... In large parts responsible for for my university level education, you know, like I, I did not learn out of textbooks. <laughs> I, and like everyone else, I used Wikipedia. You know, I think in 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 certain fields that's that's the norm. And so I, I think there it's just a wrong argument that people are, are not going to pay for it. And I, I think Adam Curry says this all the time as well. The number one reason why people don't give back is that they don't know and that that they don't know that they can and that people don't ask, you know, like um, content producers don't ask in, in, in the, um, uh, if we pick um, podcasting 2.0, for example, podcasters as, as an example. And it's, it's so interesting that, uh, that coming back to the platform problem and to TikTok, you know, um, the reason why I said that that's why TikTok is winning because it's, it found a way to really hack your brainstem, you know, it's like, it's, it's AI driven very customized porn for your brain and yeah, it's a like crack it's cocaine like, it, it, for your brain yeah it's absolutely insane. and it doesn't matter what you're into you know if you're in, into dancing it will be dancing porn if you're into cooking it will be cooking porn you know it will be right. the the shortest videos that just get you off you know and, and and then it's the next one and the next one and the next one and it never repeats and it's always amazing and so on and so it's it, it it's really something. It's really something. Like it's 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 such a cursed app. It's really it's really something. Like the fact that this exists really tells you something about about the world. And the, the the reason why Value for Value is so ingenious and really breaks this loop kind of is that every platform is incentivized to maximize profits. But you as a content creator are not. It's just like when you're opening a bakery, you're not taking on McDonald's, you know, like if 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 it's just this one bakery and you're baking bread with, with your family <laughs> until the rest of your days, you don't want to. You, you know what I mean. You know, like you you're not you're not after global expansion immediately. You're right. not about you know making money. You more want to give value to the people you work for. Yeah, exactly, that's and that's good enough. But that's fine, and, and, and it's right. something. It's if you can do something that you love, and it, it's enough to have. You know a, a meaningful life and not starve to death and <laughs> just pay the bills and <laughs> pay rent basically then that's good enough i think that's good enough for for most people you know like i think i think the 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 number of megalomaniacs that want to take over the world is rather small you know and, and those megalomaniacs end up of course running those large platforms you know because you have to be otherwise you die <laughs> right it's growth at all costs and that's also that's such a it, it, it's such a it's such a broken way of thinking about the world and, and and such a broken way of optimizing things you know that's that's why I really I really that's that's one thing that i that I enjoy so much about the, the bitcoin space it's it's the return to more traditional values and just you know having enough kind of and just you know you, you have your farm and you have your, your couple of things and, and you're happy and you have your family and you do things that you love and you're not you know getting Jeff Bezos level rich. <laughs> and right. it's fine. It's what what else do you want? You know, and especially if you're a content creator and you really enjoy podcasting or writing or, or, or what have you, and you also really enjoy just giving this to the world. You know, you, you don't want to sell it in the first place. You want to make it available for free. That's why millions of blogs exist, you know, like they also podcasters, you know. I think like 80% of podcasters are not doing it for monetary gain. And right. but just imagine if you can turn this into something that will give you some monetary gain back just 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 because just because it's possible and just because people really like what you produce. I think it it, changed, it 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 has the potential to change the world in an insanely drastic way, you know, because it it is it 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 removes. One one interesting anecdote maybe. I don't I I purposefully do not track clicks on any on any of my sites, on any article. And I don't want to do it because it will lead you on the path to hell. It will lead you in the direction of TikTok. You know, if you start tracking clicks and if you like medium, I really hate medium, for example, because it, it tracks all this stuff for you, you know, and, and, and. And if it's there, then people want to look. And then, oh man, why why didn't the the last article perform as well? And so on. And then you you're immediately into this game of trying to optimize for clicks and trying to optimize for what have you, you know? And I think the value for value model removes that completely. It's it's. I mean, of course, you know, like you can track how many sets you're getting and so on. But I personally, I don't I don't do that. I just I I put this stuff out, and a little bit comes back, and it's it's absolutely wonderful, you know. Like I uh, I I think. I think we're close to something where this can become the norm, where there is, and we don't need a lot of people. You know, like it can't even be a, <laughs> you know, there can't be the advertisement world, and then can there can't be the value for value community. And and if enough people think about this in in this different way, then I think I I truly think we will have more engaging content, meaningful content, and we we will. We will go down a, a, a different path and not the path of shallowness and addiction and TikTok and all the rest of it, but of real human connection, real interaction and real, you know, deep, long form content as well. And, and those kind of things that um, a lot of people value. Yeah. And, I, and it's just
0: such a, it's a human way of, of it's, it's a truly peer to peer way of, compensating creators. And like you said, it gives you, you know, the the value you get sent back to you for the work you've done in a non-specific way. You don't necessarily need to know which article that person came from and and how much they paid you for that specific article, but it's basically just a, a global metric, feedback metric for creators to say, people are sending value to me, therefore it sort of serves as a form of recognition that what you are, you're on the right path. You are doing something that's giving value to the world. The world is giving you a nudge, a feedback loop to say, we value what you're doing, keep doing it. And here's some financial compensation so that you can keep doing it. And I think this whole notion of taking power away from the platforms and essentially rebuilding human to human relationships, um, even if they're on a global spectrum. And I I think even just technologically, you know, value for value, if we had this conversation five years ago, uh, it would have been a very different conversation because technologically, we had to make certain improvements in order to enable um, a frictionless high quality experience, because if there's a shitload of friction, right? If you can't pay 99 cents to someone, or even if you can with your visa, but you have to fill out this massive visa form, not only does the creator not get 99 cents out of 99 cents, but you have to do all these things in order to just pay someone a small amount. And so from a microtransactions perspective, like this wasn't even really possible before right now, yeah. Bitcoin, like with Lightning, Bitcoin solves a big part of the technical or the technological aspect of being able to do microtransactions, essentially bringing the marginal cost of a transaction to zero, regardless of the amount. And that is like, that in and of itself is a huge advancement. What are your thoughts on that? And, and like, how, how big has that technological advancement been in your thinking of value for value and the, and the feasibility of actually doing this at
1: scale? Yeah. Um, the. Um, I mean, th- there is a reason why we are into like why we are in this mess. You know, direct monetization just did not work. And and to use your example, ninety nine cents uh, with a with a credit card like that's that's not feasible. It's not economically feasible. You know, like you have a certain amount of fraud and chargebacks and whatnot, and just the the, the system is so burdensome that uh, the fees will eat everything up. And so we, we needed something like lightning for this to work because it is mostly about micropayments, especially if you automate it away, you know, like just like it works in podcasting 2.0 when, where, where, where your, your app based on your settings that you voluntarily define, but the the app will pay the creator by the minute. And uh, that's what we call streaming sets because just you're, you're streaming Satoshi's basically every minute or depending on the implementation, also every second to, to the creator. And, um, it, you're right. It wasn't. It, it just wasn't possible before. So it's it's absolutely amazing. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg of of what we are <laughs> like podcasting 2.0 with with the the streaming sets. It, I think it really is just the beginning of um, what we will see in the future because so much interesting new things are possible now. It 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 kind of boggles the mind. And it's it's very it's very interesting that. Um, kind of the just just the friction that we had in the old system you know with credit cards and all of that was enough to <laughs> Completely ruined the internet, you know. Right, and, yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we we have this. Uh, everyone knows the the 404 error, error, uh, the HTTP error when a site does not exist, and uh, then you will get back 404. And there is also most people don't know there is the 402 error, which says payment required. So we wanted to do this since the beginning of the internet to include payments into the into the internet and have some. Some value infrastructure uh, uh, on the internet. But it just was never possible and it was never feasible to do. And one super important aspect of this all is if you use Visa or MasterCard or PayPal or what have you, you always have a man in the middle. You always have a trusted third party that takes care of the payment. And as we've seen historically, that's like that this is a bad thing is an understatement because if you if if, if your podcast re- revolves around political commentary for example or if your newsletter or the articles you write or even the books that you write are political and you are um, it doesn't matter if you're in an authoritarian regime or uh, it's just you know you're pissing off visa or mastercard because let's say your articles are pornographic or what have you you will be completely deplatformed and you will be deplatformed from not only from from the content side but from from the payment side your accounts will be frozen you will not be able to receive money you will not be able to receive payments and this is um if people want to look into this you know like this this is how the us um like th- this this was one of the most important tools in us politics to freeze accounts and to use payment pr- providers like visa and mastercard to just straight up destroy the livelihood of people just to straight up <laughs> you know, just, okay, we don't like what this person is saying or doing. Just make them <laughs> miss all the, all the rent payments and make them starve to death, basically. Because to be honest, if you don't have access to, to modern banking and payment infrastructure, it's very, very hard to do things. You know, like you can really cancel someone, you can really deplatform someone from life. Um, if you have the power to do this, and of course, you know, value for value uses Bitcoin, so this is not possible. These are direct payments. It's like it's like cash payments. It's like throwing a coin into the hat. You know, it's like it's 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 very hard to overstate how different this is and how revolutionary this is. Even though it feels very much like you know a Venmo or a PayPal or what have you payment, the, the, most people do not realize the difference. But it is. Such a big difference, and and that's also why I'm super super bullish on value for value because I think we uh, we definitely need something that <laughs> yeah that that makes sure that free speech can still exist online. You know, like the current the current environment with all the censorship, deplatforming, filtering, and and all the rest of it. You know, if you just look at Twitter and Facebook and and I mean. <laughs> I mean, pick any example, the, the pandemic uh, with COVID-19 is a great example, you know? There was so
0: many
1: things, labels of those platforms, they them as connecting people and offering a platform for exchanging ideas and information and free speech and so on. And when push comes to shove, if there, if there is someone who can censor, you will always you there will always be censorship and so i'm very optimistic that we are now at a kind of inflection point where people realize this and switch to alternatives that do not have the possibility of censorship built in and of course you know this can also be scary that's why that's that's why we have first amendment laws that's why we have that's why in the West we have such an emphasis on free speech in the first place because it is dangerous, but the alternative is even worse, you know? I mean, with free speech, you can write manifestos and all the rest of it, you know? There's hate speech and all of it. You can incite violence. I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that having these, not only these free speech platforms, but also underlying of it, unstoppable payments, it can feel scary to some, but that's just a very, very shallow way of thinking about this because you need to have these things a society to function. We need to we need to make room for the free flow of ideas, but also for the free flow of value. Otherwise we will never be able to figure out what's going on in this complex world. And so I am very, very hopeful that more and more people are realize the importance of this and and are going to make the, the switch to it. And I, I mean, I have no illusions, you know, it's <laughs> in the world of Spotify and YouTube and, and so on and Twitter and Facebook, it's going to it's gonna be a long battle and it's going to be an uphill battle and um, it's going to take a, a long while for people to realize it. But I also think that time is on our side because value for value and the idea of value for value will not go away. Bitcoin will also not go away. The Lightning Network will also not go away. And the reason why they won't go away is because all of all of the things i just mentioned are ideas and platforms and and they're the closest thing to immortal that we have you know it's just like the bible it it will it outlives empires and everything else that i mentioned before youtube and twitter and facebook and spotify and all the rest of it those are companies and they will go bankrupt just <laughs> i don't care how long it takes right. facebook they're will go bankrupt Google will go bankrupt. Everyone will go bankrupt. (laughs) Just give them a thousand years. (laughs) And I find it so
0: interesting that like, you know, the human consciousness, the human entity collective has this beautiful immune system whereby the more obvious the censorship gets and the more disturbing it becomes, right? Because every day that it continues and gets more obvious, more people are saying something's weird here, right? They start by saying something's weird. And maybe that's that first touch point doesn't land. And then they, you know, they follow someone who's saying something that they acknowledge and have seen as being truth. And then that that gets taken down and it's like another touch point. Oh, that doesn't make sense. That's weird. And the harder, the more hardcore they go on trying to censor truth and censor people in general, the bigger the immune reaction gets to creating protocols that are uncensorable. And the whole, you know, one of the lines that you put in your piece was, free speech platforms cannot exist. Only free speech protocols can exist. So maybe can you talk about the difference between a platform and a protocol and why that reversion to protocols is so important for 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 kind of the future of not only value for value, but also just like freedom of speech, like the preservation of freedom of speech actually depends on us developing, pro- developing unstoppable code, which gives us protocols that cannot be censored, right? Like this whole idea of we won't censor you or we won't manipulate or sell your data really needs to become we can't censor you and we can't even collect your data. Here's the code to prove that that it's yeah. not even it's not even enabled. And I think yeah, can you talk about platforms versus protocols and why it's so important to get back to protocols?
1: Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's that's also why why Bitcoin is so ingenious because, you know, if if you just have an an assurance by some people that are running the thing, you know, let's pick any platform, let's pick Twitter just for sake of example. And you have the assurance of Jack Dorsey and he will tell you, you know, he's for free speech and he will not uh, censor people, you know, like it's only as good as as his word That all. Like we're humans, we're fallible, you know, and every human will be corrupted give enough time kind of yep. <laughs> that's why i'm also not a fan of immortality <laughs> and to think that jack has a uh, supreme
0: control over a massive beast like twitter you know what jack yeah, wants yeah, might not be what jack can do
1: so. yeah yeah that, i think that's also why he left you know like he's not yeah. the ceo anymore but be- because those things that's also why google had to remove the tagline don't be evil you know like it just grew too big and then it got evil and that's right. just the <laughs> right and <laughs> and so um the difference between platforms and protocols—it's again, I think, the best way to think about a protocol is just like the English language or math or chess. Like no one is in charge. You know, it's just there is no company behind it, and and a, a platform by definition has a company behind it and also a, a like a monetary incentive behind it in the sense that if you don't make enough money, you die, and that's that's why platforms are are um, always you know they're they're always turning. <laughs> the system is always turning on itself.'t matter it doesn't matter how good your intention- intentions are and we, we saw because so many people recognize the problem of people getting censored on the platform, new platforms popped up like I don't know Gap and uh, what have you, you know there's like 50 now of those. And they're all you know, ah, oh, we will never censor, it's free speech and so on and so forth. and but the, just the fact that they are companies and they need to make money and they are run by humans. It's impossible to keep this promise. And if you get big enough, you know, there are other forces at play. Suddenly it becomes political, you know, and suddenly you have nation states knocking on your door (laughs) and and forcing you, you know, it's like, (laughs) remove this person from the platform or we will kill your whole family. You know, what what are you going to do? You know, and it's... it's, All companies have choke points. That's the biggest thing.
0: It's like, if there's a choke point, it will be found and it will be exercised by someone with more power and more guns. That's reality. Exactly.
1: And, and that's why what you said is is so important, you know, like uh, building open protocols where you can, you don't, the, insu- the, the assurances that you have, they are not political in nature. They are not just promises spoken by humans, but they are promises spoken by mathematics, for example. And you right. can cryptographically verify and prove that no one can, for example, with end-to-end encryption, no one can snoop on this message. You know, no one in the middle can. Can read what is being said. You know that's that's the idea of end-to-end encryption. And for Bitcoin, of course, you know, like no one can can mess with the hard limit of twenty-one million Bitcoin. You know, that's just you you can you you can look at everything, figure it out for yourself, and and you can come to the conclusion like all oh, the other Bitcoins. Okay, yeah, that's, that's that's set in stone. And we 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 need those things that remove the possibility of human corruption from the system we need things that remove those choke points because you know if if you can deplatform people you will deplatform people if you can censor you will censor if you can print money you will print money you will find you will find a catastrophe or an emergency large enough to just go ham and print as much money as you can you know it's it's in human nature and it's at the time it may it might look like the reasonable thing to do and so it's about using protocols and and finding ways that remove the fallibility of humanity from from those very important systems.
0: And the creation of protocols really has its own um, sort of natural selection, right? I love the I love the analogy that you use with chess. I'm going to munch on that for a bit because it's like you could create uh, chess 2x, right? Double the board size, <laughs> put all these weird things. Yeah, like, exactly. You can create that. You can create your own rule set. You can yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah, but it doesn't mean anyone's gonna want to or or is able to play with you, and so yeah. it's like I think with and it also,
1: it, 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 uh, s- s- sorry to jump in, but uh, um, I <laughs> the reason why why I have this um, example in my mind because I'm I'm currently, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm writing a second book now, and, and I have it in there because Bitcoin is very much like a game in that sense as well, and and, and just is, is is the great analogy because also. It it doesn't it doesn't even matter because now currently you know there is an official body of chess and blah 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 that define the rules and so on. But even if they would come out and say okay, like tomorrow <laughs> we will change the rules of chess and the board size will be twice as much and so on, it doesn't matter. Like that's not why why people play chess and uh, that's not you know like it wouldn't change anything. People would just play chess the old way. That's also right. why you know like uh, language is another great example. You know just just because there is someone who tries to dictate how we speak. Doesn't mean that people magically change their ways of speaking, you know. And that's why Bitcoin is so hard to change. It's just like you know, if the official body of chess comes out, and um, <laughs> like if the chess association comes out, and it's like we're gonna double the board size, uh, it, it's it's absolutely nonsensical. That's that's not how the rules of chess evolve and change.
0: Right, and because of that, the most the protocols that deliver the most value and can be understood and used by the most people are the ones that fundamentally survive. Right. And you know, chess two yeah. X is probably not going to survive if no one can play it, right. It'll be a thing in a museum. Um, and this whole idea of creating protocols and really just allowing people to judge individually, which creates a collective judgment of which protocols deliver value, true value that resonates with people. Those are the ones that survive. And then those are the ones that acquire network effects so that more people use them. And, you know, I really. I don't know how many platforms we're going to have to blast through so that people see, Oh, this one that said they wouldn't censor now censors. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know how many times we're gonna to have to go through that area of process before people realize, like, we need a protocol that no one controls, that we all self-select to use because of this feature set. And as soon as it gets created and as soon as it gets lift off in terms of like enough people using it and talking about it, um, you essentially create an unstoppable social protocol that, that essentially obsoletes all the existing companies. And it's only you know I think the companies are they should be scared, like I think yeah. people are seeing firsthand the power of protocols through Bitcoin yeah. and lightning, and you know to go into the social media business uh, is a risky business to go into in the age of protocols
1: yeah, absolutely no i think I think that uh, I mean um, it, it's such a difficult topic because there is also something to be said about centralization because the the hard thing about decentralized things let's pick chess again, you know like that the rules of chess Evolved over time, and uh, but very, very, very slowly. You know, just like languages evolve over time, but also very slowly because it, some changes make sense. You know, and um, it's it's very similar to Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin is a decentralized system. It takes a very long time to get new features in, and those kind of things. Even even though even if the features would be very beneficial to the whole system, you know, and we 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 see we see this with decentralized alternatives to Twitter, for example, that. You just cannot keep up with a well-monetized company that is centralized because you can make decisions way, way, way faster and you can iterate faster. And so you can develop features faster and so on. But I think, and and this is a big but, (laughs) I think there are like, before I went into Bitcoin, I was uh, deep in. Into the open source and free software philosophy, and I still am, and I'm still a, a, a huge advocate for for all of this. And the reason is the same as the protocol versus platform discussion, because protocols outlive platforms. Period. Because platforms are companies, and companies go bankrupt. Protocols are more like you know the Bible. <laughs> it's just <laughs> information; it's there, and if it's interesting enough for most people, it, you can pick up, you can pick it up and improve it, and so on. And The same is true for. Free and open source software versus closed source software. Closed source software always goes away because if the company goes bankrupt, it's gone. And for free and open source software, it just survives and it it, it it can only improve. You know, It always improves incrementally. And it's a very slow process. But I think we are currently at the point where free and open source software caught up to a lot of the commercial products. And it took a while, but there is always a point where... The thing gets as good as it gets, and we see this with smartphones as well, you know, or with with um, uh, laptops. You know, like there is a certain form factor because it's 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 again it's like a you have this evolutionary environment, and you will find a local maximum kind of. All the smartphones look the same today, and so now you have even open hardware projects that can build it cheaply on open hardware and so on, uh, more or less cheaply. And the same is true for software. You know, how, like, what kind of features does a messenger need to have? What kind of features does a web browser need to have? What kind of features does a image viewing application need to have? And so on and so forth. And I think the same is true for the applications that we all love and use now. What What, what is needed for a conferencing tool? What is needed for a team communication tool? What is needed for, uh, um, you know, like... A social media platform or like a microblogging thingy like Twitter, you know, uh, these have limited feature sets. And I think we are very close to open protocols being developed that implement that. And I think if you're not careful as a company and you have not, you, you don't have a, a moat, that's very easy. Like that's, if you don't have a moat, that's very hard to replicate. If you don't have a niche that you occupy, and if you don't have strong network effects, you're... Like you're gonna lose to, to the open the world of open protocols because <laughs> an open protocol can just outlive you because it, it doesn't have the same economic constraints of that, that you have in paying employees and running a company and so on and so forth. So I think it, it is very, very interesting times. And we see it in, in, in the Bitcoin world things being built currently that that are strong contenders of truly killing off. Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of it. And it's, it's going to be very interesting in the next couple of years to see how this plays out because, you know, the, also in the monetary space, you know, the, the people that currently have all the money and the control and the power, they will not step aside willingly and they also will not step aside silently. So I, I, I often said in the, in the last couple of years that we are still living in peacetime in the Bitcoin world. Uh, and I I have the feeling that uh, peacetime might come to an end because I think it will take maybe one or two more years and then a lot of people are going to wake up that um, a, a, a battle is currently going on.
0: Yeah, and I don't think the wake up, you know, there's a difference between waking up naturally and waking up because someone just prodded you with a hot iron. And I think the latter is going to be the kind of waking up that we're going to start to witness and yeah. it's not optional. Um, yeah. what, when you were talking about protocols and platforms and this whole idea that centralizing... There is value to centralization and it it kind of brought to mind this notion of platforms still existing, but platforms being a layer two on top of protocols. Right. And this whole notion that if you create a company which has its own set of incentives, but you transparently articulate the incentives and you skin the protocol with the best user experience while respecting uh, the integrity of the base protocol. I think that's where you're going to see companies that can hire really good engineers because they offer uh, a good feature set and have built a big moat, but they build on top of a platform on top of a protocol rather, um, such that they, they can't abuse power, right? Like the protocol creates a set of constraints that are immutable that they cannot, um, break, they can't break those promises. And there will be many companies designing and building different social media platforms on top of protocols. Um, and, and so they get selected for based on the quality of the experience, which I think is the you know, it seems like that's where we're going. Yeah. Right. Strike is not is not it's not a mystery that strike builds on the Bitcoin and lightning protocol. But their goal is to build the best user experience platform by giving by giving people what they need and want and useful features. Um, But they still have to abide by the rules of the protocol. And so I think there's something, you know, Strike can't just print more Bitcoin because their users want more (laughs) Bitcoin. They can't stop you from, I mean, technically they can stop you from opening a Strike account. But the interoperability of the Bitcoin network is such that if Strike denies you an account, you're just going to go to another centralized platform that is built on top of the Bitcoin protocol. Therefore, the best survive because that's
1: natural selection. Yeah. And we also, I mean, we've, we've seen this in the past, you know, I mean, that's why the internet is so damn successful. And also email is a great example, you know, like there's email and there's, I don't know how many different email companies and Gmail, of course, is the largest one, I guess. <laughs> I'm not even sure about that, but it probably is. And uh, I think that's how things should be. The, the interesting thing will be because um, with, with this approach, if you, again, it's, 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 it's like a philosophical Issue. It's a philosophical point because it's in your best interest as a company to build up a walled garden. And we see this you know, in all the ecosystems. Apple is um, the largest offender there in my estimation. But it's really, really hard to switch away from Apple because they make it so convenient and they build the walled garden so nicely. The exit right. cost f- from you switching from Apple to, to something else is really high. And what I hope, what um, I, I really hope... <laughs> it might be it might be a naive thought, but I, I, I really hope that more people put kind of the, the right thing above their profits and build things where the exit cost is really low, where you just can take your data and you can take your stuff and you can just use something else if it's better, you know. And uh, I, I think that's why. People that have been around for a very long time—they—they <laughs> they are big fans of, you know, like using text files and markdown files and those kind of things, and <laughs> putting it on, a, like, you know, on five different hard disks in five right. different locations, <laughs> and doing it in a very, very simple, very easy to use manner without a lot of magic, where you just can pack up your stuff and leave if your hosting provider kicks you off or, or what have you. And um, uh, that might be a stupid example, but I really hope that. There is a future ahead of us where we, we, the infrastructure is provided by these open protocols, and where the standards are well defined enough that you can also just in the virtual world pack your stuff and leave, and 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 switch to a different system, switch to a different chat application. I mean, for example, you know, like all these things that we are currently using, and it. it, it <laughs> It's such a shame because it used to work in a better way, you know? Like we we had chat protocols that were interoperable, just like email, you know? I I don't care if you're using Gmail or ProtonMail or or what have you or Hotmail. I can send you an email and that's it. And right. Currently, if I'm using Telegram or WhatsApp or Signal or what have you, I I can't I can't I can't send across these apps. And that's really terrible, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's like back in the AOL days, you know, like <laughs> you have one browser and you can't access half the stuff because you're not part of the open internet, you know. And, right. and uh, so I really hope that especially engineers um, that, that are actually building this stuff will realize that there is kind of a, a right way that benefits humanity to like a right way to build things. And a wrong way that just benefits one company, and I, I hope that value for value has also something to say there because it's 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 all about building open standards, open protocols, and just being open in general. You know, like especially with the value for value idea, it's like okay, I cannot stop you. I know that I cannot stop you from copying this information, so I won't even try. So I'm being honest with you, and I hope that you're honest back and you're just giving giving back as well. If this was valuable, just give it back. And and open source software is very much like that as well. You know, it's like, I know you can copy this app, this program, this game, what have you, and you can compile it for yourself and you can modify it and so on. But I also know that it is way better for humanity in that way. So I'm I'm choosing an open license, and you can do with it what you want. I'm I'm not afraid, you know, I'm not afraid of being quote unquote stolen from. And so yeah, I think it, it opens up a, a larger question about the way to do things and intellectual property rights and all the rest of it. And I think we as humanity need to have this conversation because I think most people can agree that currently things are broken, to put it mildly.
0: Yeah. And there's, like a, there's this notion of benevolence, right? Of, of, of trusting that people act in good faith. When you put something out there, like you said, knowing full well, someone could copy it and try it sell themselves, but putting it out there trusting that people who get value will signal back that they got value by sending value back to you. Um, and I, I think that actually aligns with, you know, like, there's always going to be bad players. But they're, they're more, they're far fewer than I think what the perception is, because if you go into virtual land, it looks like the world yeah. is fucking burning down every second of the day, <laughs> because our negativity bias indicates such that we cling on to negative things. And we already talked about If you want to optimize time on site, just put a shitload of negativity or really triggering things, people's, their eyeballs will be stuck there. Um, And so it creates this like, outsized perception that the world is bad, but I don't really think that's the case. And I've seen like, even just through our value for value streaming, they're not huge amounts, but people are sending value back based on the value they're getting by listening to the podcast. And I really think that this whole notion of really giving some, power back to the creators and, and the uniqueness of information, which can be both a burden. It's like a double-edged sword, right? Information can be copied freely and you can't stop that, but information also exists in cyberspace indefinitely. And if you create a very good podcast and as people come to that podcast and they listen to it and being able to send value back for listening to that podcast becomes easier and easier. And I'd like to talk next about the mental transaction problem, because I think that's something worth unpacking as it becomes easier and easier. And as more people find that podcast, there is no time horizon. If in 20 years, that podcast still has valuable content for someone who found it and now has a Bitcoin wallet that seamlessly allows them to send value, you can get paid for a 20 year period for everyone who gets value from that podcast. And that is where this dissociation from the physical realm into the digital realm really biases creators. Who knows you create one really good article and we can do value for value for articles and that goes viral. Maybe you make your lifetime worth of income needed to live a simple life from one article you wrote that has, that is unprecedented.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it 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 is for regular human beings you know because some people manage to do that you know the guy who uh, I don't know wrote happy birthday or I don't know the Christmas songs sure <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: Mar- yeah Mariah yeah. Carey you know managed to do that last <laughs> yeah. Christmas alone
1: and and she, she'll get uh, you know um, with the with the current system that's in place with she'll uh, get royalties ro- for a lifetime yeah royalties and and copyright and so on and and it's also you know like um it's it's such an interesting thought, right? Because again, information can outlast empires, you know, the Bible outlasted multiple empires. And so if you write something that's really good, it doesn't matter what it is, <laughs> if it's an article or a book or a song or what have you, or even a movie. And if, if the infrastructure is still in place and, there is no reason why it shouldn't be in place if it's an open protocol, you know, like an open protocol is, for example, TCP IP and, and the whole Internet runs on it. And it's still around and it has been around for quite a while, you know, even though the Internet is young. But I have I have no reason to assume that TCP IP won't be around in like 100 years from now, 200 years right. from now, you know, like that's that it those those systems can electricity is another good example you know like electricity is the 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 grid so to speak like the, the the things that were developed in the past and are akin to open protocols they they have a way of of surviving and and so you know like your 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 whole like your your grandchildren could still receive streaming sets just from this conversation that we are having right now like 30 years your will now. it's yeah. like i'm sh- gonna will sh- the sass to go here for this episode <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's crazy. Sh- shout out shout out to our grandchildren that, that <laughs> might listen to that you know there there, there is a chance yeah <laughs> and so yeah it's super super interesting and there's um i think i i think i even mentioned it in, in the piece that uh you know the as you said the the limitations of meat space they do not apply and because if you if you go back to the um busking analogy you usually don't have large sums of money on you. And it's also, you know, there is a performance in uh, time and space and then, you know, half an hour and then it's over. And like you said, you know, like a podcast or like an audio file can live for a very, very long time. And what's also super interesting is that there are just some people, you know, that that have a lot of money. And if they are willing to give, then, you know, like (laughs) that doesn't, that usually doesn't happen in the real world, but it might happen in, it might happen in cyberspace, you know, and I've 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 received some large value, for, like larger, way larger than I expected, value for value donations already. Um, and uh it it was for articles so so what you alluded to that uh, we can do value for value for articles already, you know like every single one of my articles has a lightning address for example, and people send <laughs> sets to that all the time and it's it's kind of amazing you know it's very much it's it's as amazing as you know having a value enabled podcast and seeing satoshi's stream in every single day of the week every like <laughs> for for some people every every minute of every hour you know and it's it's really something and also we are still like i want to stress that we are still at the very 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 early beginnings of all of this you know bitcoin is still very young even the internet is still very young and and just assuming that usage 10 x and also assuming that um, we are still very early in the monetization process of Bitcoin, like the the, the sets that you're receiving today might be substan- substantial amounts of, of value in the future. And uh, it, I think it can only increase from there. And uh, yeah, it's very exciting, all of it. I mean,
0: what you said is like some people are donating large amounts, but at the start of this episode, it was timestamp Moscow time was 2609. So you can get (laughs) 2,609 sats for one us dollar. Like, you you know, let's zoom out into the future to think that one, one sat could equal $1. That means that what you pay a dollar for today could be $2,609 worth of purchasing power. Now, what that gets you, I don't know in, in that far out, but you know, 10 years ago or five years ago, someone bought Bitcoin and now they value what you wrote. Um, and they get a shitload of value from and they send it to all their friends and all their friends get value from it and it changes their family's lives. It literally saves the socioeconomic life of their mom. That might be worth 500 bucks to that person because now they're sitting on a huge amount of wealth and they're looking for, looking for places to allocate it that reflect the value they get from things that people have created. And so I don't, it is really it's hard to like create a set frame of reference because it's changing so quickly, especially in, Bic- in the Bitcoin world, right? It's like, it's like dog years, one year in the re- in meat space is like <laughs> fucking seven years and, or one year in Bitcoin is like seven years in meat space. Um, and yeah, yeah one thing I want to talk about is the, is this whole notion that, okay, we talked about the DRM problem, digital rights management information wants to be free, especially good quality information. You it's like trying to hold mercury. It's going to slip through. It will be copied. That's just the nature yeah. of information. The other sort of problem to solve with value for value, especially with microtransactions, is what you call in the article, the MTX problem, the mental transaction problem, and this notion that every time we want to make a payment, there's also a mental cost to every transaction that we make. And that mental cost creates friction, especially when you get into infinitesimally small amounts that end up being, you know, if you're determining whether or not to pay a fraction of a penny for something. the, the value that you're thinking of spending isn't even worth the mental yeah. transaction of thinking as to whether or yeah. not that's worth what you're looking to spend it on. And so, you know, let's talk about the mental transaction problem, if you can kind of unpack that yeah. and, and maybe even talk about how something like value for value with podcasting 2.0 technologically helps to solve the mental transaction such that the friction of sending someone value is way lower and yeah. which facilitates a higher likelihood of transactions happening um, through yeah, value for value.
1: It's a very interesting problem that most people are not aware of, and it's it's uh, you summed it up perfectly. you know it's it's literally not worth your time thinking about if you want to pay for this or not. Right. <laughs> so once you start thinking about it, you're already at a loss, even at minimum wage levels, you know, like if if, if it's like you know a fraction of a cent, then it doesn't matter how how little you make <laughs> per hour. It's literally not worth your time to have the mental effort of thinking, do I want to make this microtransaction or not? And um, the one person that wrote about this most eloquently and most thoroughly is Nick Sabo, I believe. Um, he identified this problem, uh, as did other researchers as well, but um, he he wrote about it uh, in a very succinct and, and beautiful way. And I just tried to kind of Summarize his arguments, and in in the sense that's that's also the reason why we currently we have um, flat rates for everything and subscription models with flat pricing. There there are very few things that you pay for by the minute. You know, like um, uh, water might be an example, like the, the water that flows to your house, uh, electricity as well. You know, like you you have a little gadget that um, measures how much you use and. Um, at the end of the month, you just pay the electricity bill, and it's it's linked to your usage and so on. But we usually don't like most of the time we don't pay for things like that. Most of the time, it's uh, it's disconnected from the actual usage, and it is in part because of this mental transaction cost problem. And uh, gym memberships are a great example as well. For example, like it's 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 way like you you would not go to the gym if you would have to pay every time you enter, you know, like you right. You would, it would re- reduce the amount you go to the gym drastically. <laughs> or Netflix. That's another example. It's <laughs> yeah, like you yeah, pay once course. per
0: month, you can watch yeah. infinite yeah. videos. If you have to pay yeah. per video, you might yeah. not watch as much.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so for microtransactions, this problem is uh, um, especially pronounced because you just don't want to be bothered in the first place. You know, like it's, everyone knows this, if you want to read an article and you click on it and the paywall pops up and you just have to, it, it doesn't matter how quote unquote frictionless they want to make it, you know, like even if, if, if you're just not logged in, it's, I can't be bothered, bothered logging in. <laughs> it's just like, I've got to click away the goddamn tap and do something else. <laughs> and there's uncertainty. <laughs> and, and, like what if that article shit and I paid for yeah, it to exactly, exactly. Oh, now I'm screwed. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know. Bitcoin has been around in in internet years (laughs) for a long time. Uh, So we just had, uh, it just became a teenager. So Bitcoin has been around for 13 years now and we had Bitcoin enabled paywalls for a very long time. You know, it was one of the first things that (laughs) was implemented with QR codes and so on. uh, So so you just, you know, you you scan the QR code and... uh, the article just shows up. No one does it. No one does. It just doesn't work. And it is because of this mental transaction cost problem. And I think there are two interesting approaches to solve it. It's, there, there are more than two, but I think one interesting one which um, links into the value for value idea is to do something like a crowd wall where you, you can think of it as a paywall, but it's more like holding the content hostage. You know, it's like, okay, I wrote an article. Trust me. It's, it's really good because I've wrote good articles before <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't care if one person pays for it or five thousand people pay for it. I just need like 20 bucks and then I'm gonna release it to the world, you know. So oh, some people are experimenting with with those kind of ideas. Uh John Carvalho is one of them, for example. He has this implemented for his podcast. Uh, I think it's called The Biz. And and so it, it unlocks by the minute as people pay for it. And so once the whole episode is unlocked, um, it's free for everyone always. And and so uh, I think that's that's also an, an interesting approach. But I, I think truly the way to solve it is how podcasting 2.0 solves it, which is completely voluntary and completely in the value for value ethos. So you don't hold anything hostage and you have in a sense, uh, like you, there there are so many ways to do this. And I think, um, there is now, um, Browser extension which implements this, which is uh, called Albi. Uh, I think it's getalbi.com where you can install it. It's a lightning extension w- where you you can even connect it to your own node. So it's done in a, in a uh, in quite a nice way. And you can set an allowance for yourself for certain sites. So if you have lightning enabled sites that support payments and, and the value for value idea, you can say, you know, like uh, Stacker News is, is a good example. Stacker News is uh, Basically a hack and use clone, or you can think of it like Reddit, but for Bitcoin and Lightning stuff. And so you 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 can set yourself an allowance and you can say, okay, every month I'm willing to spend, I don't know, 10,000 sets on Stacker News. And so you set this allowance in, the, in in the app, like in the extension, and then you can just use everything and it will split everything up automatically. Or I, I don't actually know how it works in detail, but it, it, I, I, th- I think you just, once you've spent it, it uh, it won't spend anymore. You know, like that's, I, cool. I think that's how it works. And and so you, the the way to solve the mental transaction cost problem is to abstract everything away so that the user has not, uh, never has to think about it. It's just like Netflix does it. It's just like the gym membership does it. You know, you decide once, right. that's also, you, you must know this from your, uh, charity work right like the the way to like there there are, i think there are a lot of organizations now that that really dig into this it, like you are not always willing to give to charity you have some days where you really want to give and the way to capitalize on that is to set up a recurring payment where you give to charities right like that's right that's that's the way to do it right yeah Yeah, exactly and it's it's just like with the gym membership you know the way to force yourself to go to the gym is like before january 1st get a gym membership for the next year (laughs) right yeah (laughs) yeah, exactly (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) and and so i think that's that that's the right way to do it also in in the value for value sense that and podcasting 2.0 is doing it like that you know like you you set how much you want to stream every minute and you just like you, you load a certain amount of Satoshis onto your Lightning wallet into, into your app uh, like every month or every week or w- as soon as it's empty again, you top it up again. And I think, you know, if, 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 if my suspicions are correct, we will, we, will have, we will have both flavors of value for value in the future. And, and I think we will have this, this streaming payments idea where you set yourself an allowance because you know it can it kind of really out of hand you know like if you if you sure. binge on a podcast <laughs> suddenly you're poor you know like <laughs> if you discover something new and you just listen to i don't know 50 episodes like that's <laughs> it's not sustainable
0: i mean but, your allowance uh, is basically set by how many sats yeah. you populate your wallet with so it's kind of yeah. like a and I, I think the way that you know i use a breeze wallet when i listen to podcasts and this whole notion that you can set your streaming rate so it's a one-time decision that essentially yeah. gets put in the background so that you're not having to do these repetitive exactly. uh, decision-making things. But they also give you the optionality to do a boost. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and I think that is just brilliant, especially now. I think it's called yeah. Helicopter. I got that second layer on Umbral where I can actually see yeah. messages people are sending and the yeah. stats that they attach to it. And I think it's yeah. so brilliant because it gives you the optionality, right? It's not in yeah. this or that decision. It's now, exactly. okay, what's your baseline level of stats yeah. you want to stream? Yeah. And then... You can choose how much you boost based on like how much value you're getting in real time. And that's some yeah. cool shit.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly right. And, and it's called Helipad, by the way. And shout out to Dave from, pod, yes. from Podcast Index for, for building it. Um, and I think that's exactly the right model. And that's what, what I meant with, I think in the future, we will see the two flavors of value for value. And it is the, the like, you know, always giving a little bit. Which is the streaming sets part, which might have an allowance or not. You know, like uh, the, there are multiple ways to do this, and but you have to have this unlimited, unkept way of giving back. If someone really enjoys an episode, then then you boost, and maybe you boost a couple of times, or you set your boost really high. You know, right. and, and for articles as well. You know, I think we we will we will have something very soon where. um I mean, someone will build it. You know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm close to being so frustrated that I'm gonna build it myself. But please, someone else do it. I have too much, <laughs> too much on my plate already. But I, I want to have something like Pocket. And in the best of all worlds, um, this is gonna get integrated in absolutely all the browsers, all the apps, all the services everywhere. But uh, if if you know Pocket or uh, like there are multiple like Read It Later apps. Uh, Instapaper is another one. You just you 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 instead of like the way most people browse content online is, is really browsing it. You don't open one article and, and read it fully. And then you open the next one and read it fully. You, you scan through it most of the time. And if something is really interesting, then you read it fully. And so that, that's also how I have used the internet for the last, I don't know, like 20 years, you know? And right. And so so these app, apps exist where you just send articles to them and you can read them in a really nice distraction, distraction way, distraction free way. And you can also switch between text and audio. So, you know, they have text to speech engines and those kind of things. and. You could put value for value in there really easily, you know, because these apps also remember where you where you are in your reading progress and all those kind of things, you know. And and once you you like the article or you archive it or, or what have you, you, you simply on Lightning you you send a payment to the author, you know. And and it could all be out in the open met, met, metadata in in the article, just like um like just like we have structured data in the RSS feeds now that. Take care of these payment things, and uh, you know you have your Lightning Pub key in there, and it's gonna send the key, keys and payment and so on. And in the future, it's gonna be an uh, AMP payment. You know, like it's it's all of this is basically already solved. We just need to <laughs> make the psychological switch to use these kind of things correctly. And so I think we 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 need to again we need to have these two flavors where you give a little bit always and if you really like it just like on medium or what have you you just clap a couple of times you boost a couple of times and then you you have the way to give a lot in an uncapped manner where you just can you know like you you can give ridiculous amounts of value back and i think that's you know that's that's the future forward i agree and i think this like this unlimited optionality with
0: programmable money. Like I remember Adam Curry was on a podcast. This is probably like two, three months ago. And he was talking about this notion that, okay, well, with programmable money, we might not have this yet. But say I reach out to you and say, Gigi, you want to do a podcast? We can set it up so that 50, like maybe 40% of the sats that come in, go to my wallet, 40% go to your wallet, 20% go to, um, you know, whoever's helping us get the equipment in order to record these podcasts or whatever it might be, this whole notion that, There is a radical potential to facilitate honest, transparent collaboration between content creators, knowing full well that you can code where the sats go. Um, Like that's some really powerful stuff. And it's, you know, I remember hearing Antonopoulos talk about programmable money and the fact that this opens up an entirely new dimension um, of options, but we can only implement the options that we can imagine. And if we're in this frame of reference of fiat, we have this artificial box created around potential things we can do with money. And until we start to sort of move beyond that and see that this new system really doesn't have any walls, um, and the walls are only there insofar as we create them ourselves by not allowing ourselves to create beyond the walls of the box. And this whole notion that we can now like you could say a percentage of every of every SAT that gets streamed goes to whatever charity you like so that you're you know like there's so there's unlimited optionality that i don't even think we're we're just starting to scratch the surface and just seeing it's like hard to keep pace even with some of the evolution of these things but (laughs) it's very exciting it's very exciting (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely and it's 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 kind of my job to to try to keep pace and and I don't manage so it's absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely impossible by my estimation to keep up with all of the stuff but exactly the thing you mentioned it was recently implemented uh, in breeze uh, by a friend of mine and um, it's the the episode level split so the podcasting cool. 2.0 specification now has a very fine-grained way of, of doing splits and you can you can set a certain like where the sets flow on a podcast level but you can also set it for each individual episode you know and the tooling the tooling is not there yet you know it's still kind of hard to do you you kind of need to set it up for yourself and so on but we will have the tooling very very soon and then you can you know like uh, I don't know if you're talking about human rights, it's like, you know, 21% of the Satoshi stream goes to the human rights foundation. And, um, uh, we actually, I think, I think we were the first podcast, uh, with closing the loop, um, uh, that made use of this feature because I, I helped a, a little bit of, um, writing this specification and, um, uh, doing the first implementations and so on. But this is exactly where, where all this stuff is going. And it's, you don't have to be very, like, you don't you don't need to have a lot of imagination to see how absolutely amazing this is for so many different formats you know like for for a podcast if you if you play a song in the intro and the outro uh like stream the sets to the artist who wrote the song, you know, like yes. a couple of percent for, the, if you have a sound editor, he, he gets like his piece of the cake too. And for, you know, written content, you, you might have someone who pro- proofread the article, or you might have an editor, you might have someone who made graphics and so on. And, and there's no reason to to stop at these like very internet native um, formats with uh, podcasting and, uh, Uh, and articles. You you can do the same thing for eBooks. You can do the same thing for for movies. You can do the same thing for just music in general. I know Adam Curry is uh, really keen on uh, getting the first albums released on a value for value basis. And you know, like the music players in the future I I I truly hope that they will all have this integrated, you know, because it is the right way to monetize information. And the Netflix of the future will have this integrated as well. And if you want to go really crazy, you know, like in a in a more decentralized world, you could even have systems that work very much like 4chan, but the hosting is where content just disappears if it's not popular anymore. And where where you can let's say for articles or also for podcast episodes, it doesn't matter, but for for articles if it if it gets bumped and reshared, and if if people send money to the article, it's like you know, half of it goes to the creator and half of it goes to the article itself that hosts itself on something like IPFS or what have you and (sighs) pays for the hosting and if it's not read anymore, it will just disappear because no one will pay for the hosting anymore and then it's gone. I mean, articles might be the wrong use case because it's very easy to host text you know it's very cheap but for videos or or, or what have you um uh, uh, you you could definitely build that and then you you would have like a quasi autonomous organic system that sustains itself by the attention it's getting you know and it's it's yeah th- those are some some interesting things that can be built
0: so interesting. Like the, even I had this conversation with a friend the other day, this whole notion that, okay, self-driving cars are going to seriously disrupt the way we think about transportation. And this whole notion that you could get a group of 10 people together, buy a Tesla together, program it such that every ride it gives, gives 10% of whatever the revenue is to each person that went in to buy that Tesla's wallet. And this, it's, it's just, It's a whole new realm of possibilities, which can be almost in like overwhelming at times because you're like, oh, my God, there's no limits to this. Um, But at the end of the day, you you can see how the human to human interaction is really going to push this forward. Right. This whole notion that value (laughs) for value is really a ideologically aligned way of transferring value in the world of the Internet. And we kind of took this sidestep where we kind of fucked up a little bit. We went with companies. We did it the wrong way because we didn't have the technology basis at the time to be able to do it the right way. And maybe that's a good thing, right? Maybe we had to go stray off to see how truly bad we did it to look back and say, well, at least now we have a technology that supports this. And now we know how shitty that way is. So we're not going to do it that way anymore. And so now we actually have technology and we have more of a, an idea of, okay, this is a much more aligned way of humans compensating humans in a peer to peer way. Uh, that also eliminates a lot of the problems that are unraveling civilization, like censorship, like deplatforming, like all these things that are super messed up and we're seeing it firsthand. So, Gigi, I am extremely grateful. I'm sure everyone listening to this is very grateful for you giving us your time today, talking about this amazing article. To anyone listening on the Bitcoin Stoa episode page for this episode, there's going to be links to, I put three links. I put uh, the article that we're talking about. I also put Dear Family, Dear Friends, and Dear Bitcoiners, because I think those have been very powerful articles for me to read. Um, before we sign off, is there anything you want to let people know about? Um, I'd love to hear where your new book is at, sort of where you're at with that. Um, <laughs> and uh, maybe in future, I'd love to do another interview to hear about your writing process. Because I'm always very curious as to what the process that people use, when they create, how they create, how they edit, and all that kind of stuff. But for another time, let people know where <laughs> they can find you, and then we'll wrap this up.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, I'm Der Gigi. You can find me on Twitter. Um, uh, you can also find me on Nosser. Uh, if you know what it is, you can also find me on Mastodon. I am their everywhere. And um, their is also where you can find my writing. Um, I, if you want to read the article, it's their slash busking. So it should be easy to find. And also um, the regarding the progress of, of my next book, It's gonna be called 21 Ways and it's gonna be like a continuation of the idea of 21 Lessons. But 21 Lessons was like the 21 things I learned from Bitcoin. 21 Ways is um, like 21 different ways of how you can think of Bitcoin or how you can look at Bitcoin. And it's um, a couple of chapters were already released. It's at 21waysbook.com. And uh, I think if you're interested in Bitcoin, Bitcoin is time was really well received and it's the third chapter of the book um, so you can find it there as well and uh yeah uh, my my writing process just and i i'm i'm very happy to talk about this with you in the future but it's just like most writing processes, most writers, it's just pain, a lot of pain. It's very painful. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of time. So, yeah, I, I don't have any, any secrets. <laughs> very
0: cool, brother. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, for everyone listening, thanks for joining us at the Bitcoin Stoa. If you enjoyed uh, this episode, or if you find value from the conversations that we have here, you can head to bitcoinstoa.com and send some sats to the QR code on the homepage. Or you can stream sats using something like the Breeze Wallet or any podcast or any wallet that has a podcast feature. So thanks for being here, everyone. And uh, ciao for now.